So we have two of our students who are participating this month in the Ulster Project will be reading one of the scripture readings that are the focus of today's message. Let, let me say another word about what they're doing. So half of the students participating are from Northern Ireland. If you're from Northern Ireland, I want you to stand up. Stand up. So we're, we just want to welcome you to our church this morning. We're awesome. And um, you guys have a seat. What's really great about this project is it's, so one of the things our church is all about, it's about bringing people together, reconciliation, about bringing down walls and, and tearing down barriers. And so in the world, religion and politics can become a divisive barrier. And so this project is about bringing Protestants and Catholics together. So it's Protestants and Catholics from Northern Ireland coming together to be with Protestant and Catholic families in the United States doing mission together. And so to our students, I want when you read the scripture, introduce your name to us and, and, uh, and then tell us where you're from and then if you'd read the word, that'd be great. All right, thank you. Hi, I'm Rima. I'm from County Tyrone in Northern Ireland. Um, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Hi, I'm Autumn, and I am from here and from Louisville. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. You are, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which are here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Now from the letter to James, James's letter. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, do you even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. 
All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Today you've heard a reading of the word and God's people did say. Did you hear the question that James asked? It's a good one, isn't it? What is your life? Miller gave us a great answer. One great answer is, it's a masterpiece. That everyone is a masterpiece created by God. But if I were to ask you that question this morning and you were to answer it, what is your life, what would you say? Some people might say, well, my kids are my life. Some might say, my grandkids. You know, my home, my music is my life. My deepest passion of something that I care about in the world is my life. You know, the cats, the cats are my life. You know, the cards are my life. Several years ago, I did a funeral in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, for a man who was a graduate of Texas A&M University. He was an alumni. And before we closed the lid on the casket, they took a looped, tape recording of the Texas A&M fight song and turned it on and put it in the casket. They closed the casket. They're pushing the casket out of the sanctuary and you can hear the fight song. They pull it out of the hearse, (laughs) push it to the grave. I'm reading scripture and you can hear the fight song. They put it in the ground, pour dirt on it, And then you couldn't hear the fight song. You know, for him, his university, the Texas A&M Aggies, were his life. Great question. What is your life? Well, James gives us his answer. James says, you are a mist that appears for a brief time and then vanishes. We know what that means. It means that your life is brief. It means that that your life, your life is fragile. And there are some things in life that we just have no control over. When our life, we have no control over when our life will begin. And we don't have much control over our life when it will end. And when I read that this week, I go, well, thanks a lot, James. Thanks for making me feel good about life. I go, what a bummer. i got to preach on that Sunday. I mean, that's a message people want to hear, right? Your life is a mist. You know, what is, what is your life? It reminds me, uh, we have a dinner at the church called the Diamond Disciples, and it's for our church members that are 75 years and older. And we go downstairs, we have a dinner, and every year our elementary age children make placemats with pictures and nice sayings on the placemats that greet our seniors when they sit down. I'll never forget about six years ago, one of our women sat down and on her placemat, a child had drawn flowers and all kinds of rainbows and all kinds of beautiful things. And in the middle of the placemat, it said, you will be going to heaven soon. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was like... It was like it was awesome. I mean, you should have seen a look on her face, but it's true. <laughs> we are just a heartbeat away from eternity, all of us. A heartbeat. 
And that's what I love about James. James is direct. He's to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush. And he's asking this big, important question. You've been given this one life, this one canvas on which you get to paint your masterpiece. What is your life going to be? What are you going to do with it? And some people, they go through life and they consume everything in life around them. Some people go through life and they contribute to it. Sometimes people just sleep all the way through life. They just sleep through and they don't wake up until some event or tragedy or sickness or disease wakes them up to how fragile life can be. Some people burn through life. Some people slow down and enjoy it. And the reality is we're probably a little bit of all of those things. We burn through it, we sleep through it, we consume, we contribute, we enjoy. All those things are our life. And you see, that's what James is about. That's the thesis of this little letter is that God wants to be a part of every part of your life. And that if God is going to be a part of every part of your life, then we should ask God, what do you want me to do with my life? I'm not just called, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not just called to paint any picture I want on my canvas, my masterpiece of my life. But as a follower of Jesus, I'm to ask God, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? And this letter is about the danger, the danger of living a life without consulting with God about what to do with my life. But I know how it is. You're like me. I'm like you. Most of the time we just get so busy in life, we, we don't plan. It just happens. You know, you get out of school, you get married, you have kids, I mean, poor Corey Miller. Great Corey Miller, youth minister. Corey and Jessica just had their first baby. You should see Corey on Tuesday mornings when he comes to our staff meeting. He looks like he could play a starring role, you know, in you know, walking, The Walking Dead or something. He walks in, he's got baby food in his hair, in his beard. His clothes are wrinkled. Well, his clothes are always wrinkled. And... He's just, he can't stay awake. If you were to ask Corey, say, hey, Corey, uh, Corey, what, do you, what does God want you to do with this lot, your life? He'd say, I'm just looking for a place to lay down. <laughs> you know, and then your kids get bigger, then they grow, they get bigger. And then, you know, you, you get a job, and next thing you know, what happens? You're 30. You're 40. You're 50. You're sitting down for a dinner, and there's a placemat that says, you're going to heaven soon. <laughs> and you say, where did it all go? You see, married or single, children or not, life passes us by. And so that's why James says, as you think about your life, ask God, what does God want me to do with my life? Now again, James is so practical. He gives us three consequences, three consequences for leaving God out of our life. And the first is that it leaves us unprepared. Now I want you to notice something here. Uh, James is not saying that plan planning your life is a bad thing. Not at all. 
He's not saying business is bad at all. He's not saying making a profit's a bad thing. All those things are great things. Planning, making profit, traveling, doing business. It's all a part of life. Raising kids, playing soccer. I'm sorry, football. That's right, football. You know, living your life, it's all good things. But it's what's missing in the equation. What's missing? God. To some extent, we are Christian atheists. We say we believe in God, but then we live and plan our lives as if God were not even a part of it. And James says it leaves us unprepared. He says it's dangerous because there will be a moment in your life when your life comes to an end and your whole life will have gone by and you will perhaps miss the reason why you were here. That's why I had you read that story earlier about the man who built bigger and bigger barns. He never asked the question, what is my life? What does God want in my life? He built one barn after another, built one barn after another. This is a story that James's brother Jesus told, one barn after another. And then the text says that one moment God says to him, this is it, your soul is required of you. How did you spend your life? Collecting stuff, but not contributing. Consuming, but not contributing. And so he meets God completely unprepared. And so this is what happens when we don't ask God. We are not able to adequately discern what God wants for my life. Because without asking what God wants or knowing what God wants, we'll just get pulled into what the world wants for us, and we'll find our lives getting swept up in all these other narratives, some good, some not so good. One day we'll find ourselves at a dead end wondering where my life went. One of those, like in this parable, is that life is about stuff. And as James will say later in the book, your life can be about stuff, but your stuff can't protect you from the end of your life. The second point is, it leads to overconfidence. He says here in this parable, in this story, he says, you boast and you brag, you boast in your arrogance. That's the person who says, I did this. I accomplished this. I I made my life. I painted my own masterpiece. I did my own thing. You know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I'm a, I'm a self-made man. Now, I made reference earlier to the Texas A&M fight song that I spoke of earlier and how sometimes we get unusual requests at funerals. People ask for all kinds of things at funerals. I've seen almost everything in 30 years. But this is one that probably stunned me the most. Someone said, my husband's favorite song was Sinatra's My Way. I want it played as we're walking out of the sanctuary and we're pushing his casket out the back door because that was his song. He did everything my way. You remember how the song goes? And now the end is near. And so I faced the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm uncertain. I lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Okay? A nice song, I suppose. But do you really want that song played at your funeral? I mean, I'm pushing the casket. We're pushing the casket out of the sanctuary. We're putting it in a hearse. And 
And I'm thinking, the last thing that I want to do on this earth is to leave this earth and stand before the creator God who had plans for my life. And I look at him and said, I did it my way. It's complete disregard for God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, Paul says this about God. He says, we owe our whole life to God. In Him we move and live and have our being. That we are God's offspring. God's offspring. This whole section in, in James is about pride and humility. God opposes the proud and lifts up the humble. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Listen to what he says. Is, now listen, you who say, I'm going to go do this. He says, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, I will do this. The third thing is, the third consequence is we miss out what God's plan is. God has a plan for my life, for your life, for all our lives. Every one of us. And when we don't ask God, we miss out on what it is. The creator of the universe as it says in Ephesians, in Ephesians, it says in Ephesians that we are all created in the image of God, that we are all God's masterpiece, created to do good works. We are God's workmanship. And the thing that will give you, I believe this, the thing that will give you the most joy in the world, the most fulfillment in the world, is to understand who you are and who God is and to live God's way in the world and to live that and to be that and to experience that. And if we never ask God, we miss it. Did you notice what he said in verse 17? It, it's it's kind of harsh. He says, because it's James, of course. He says, if you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, it's sin. Now, it applies to whether you ask God what I'm supposed to do or you ask and you don't do it but it's called sin. Now, when I say the word sin, I know what you think. You think, well, it's the person who cheats, the person who lies, the person who gossips, you know, the person who steals, the affair, that sort of thing. But here he doesn't say that. He says it's what you don't do that's a sin. And the word in Greek is the word harmatia, which is the word that means to miss the mark. This is so profound when you think about what he's saying. He's saying that when God has given us something to do with our life, when there's something that God wants us to do with our life, it's missing the mark. There's a bullseye, there's a target that God has in mind for my life and for your life. And if we don't ever ask God, we just completely miss it. We end up on the wrong road, down the wrong path. I was talking to a young adult recently who is his, his late 20s, and he was telling me, he said, you know, David, when I was in high school, I had this dream in my heart that God put in there for me to do something with my life. And then, you know, I went over here for a little while. Then I remembered my dream, and then I went over here for a little while. And he said, like, every time I took a step toward my dream, I ended up having an obstacle or a, a distraction. And I said, how long did that last? He said, well... Now I'm like in my late 20s, and all this time has passed. And he says, I feel like I've just been wandering from one thing to the next. I don't even know when to start. 
I feel like I've missed out on what God wants me to do with my life. I looked at him, I told him, I said, yeah, God has a plan for your life. It's never too late. You think God still wants me? Oh, of course God does. Now think about it. He's only in his 20s. But this applies to people in their 20s and 30s, and we just get swept up in all these kinds of things. It's never too late to ask God, what is it you want me to do? And so what we do is we just pick one thing we can do and start moving toward it. Take one step. So the answer then, the answer then, the answer is James' solution. James says, go back, verse 15, plan your life with God's will in mind. If it is the Lord's will, I will go and I will do this. Matthew 6, which you read a moment ago, says, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now let me just take the mystery out of this. Most of the time when we think about God's will, we think it means I'm supposed to have this job or this career. We ask, who am I supposed to marry? Where should I go to school? Should I move to this place? Should I take on this mission? And sure, God cares about all those kinds of things. But let me just simplify it for you and make this clear. When he's talking about God's will, it's not so much what we do as much as it is who we're becoming, the type of people we're becoming. And see, I can say I, can say I know God's will for every person in this room. I know the will, His will for you. It's not a mystery. God's will is for you to be peacemakers in Northern Ireland and the United States, to tear down walls and bring people together. That's what God's will is for us to become more like Christ. To be, it's all in the letters in red in the Scripture. You read the letters in red in Scripture, and the letters in red in Scripture talk about who Jesus is. And so it's more about who we become. In a world that we live in, of pain and suffering, when fathers drown with their daughters on the bank of our own country, in a world of so much pain and suffering and hurt and sorrow, what the world needs more of is people that, who are Christian people by profession of faith who will make the decision to become like Him. We ask, what does God want for my life? How does God plan my life? What it is, is asking, who do you want me to be? So it may not be for you to do anything different than you're doing now to be in your family or in your job. It's who are you in your job and your family? Who are you going to be where you work every day? And one thing I do believe is maybe God does have something big in mind for you, but if you just take a step toward becoming like Him, what will happen is doors will start to open for you. you know, my thing to you today, this is not a part of my prepared remarks, is to say to the young people in this room, is you got your whole life in front of you. Don't be pulled into the world's mess. Let it define your life. You decide who you want to be, who God wants you to be. And you move toward that, whether you have money or wealth or fame or whatever, at the end of your life, you will live a great and meaningful life. And every one of you sitting here today, God has a powerful dream for you to do with your life. And before you get pulled in, just ask the question, God, what do you want from me?
practical suggestion. So here's how we do that practically, is we just need to reset, you know, reboot, reset. Acknowledge we haven't been asking the right questions. And James says it's about humility, it's about surrendering. Surrendering our life to His purpose. And it's about praying, generally praying and saying, God, what do you want? Not rushing through life, taking time to be quiet and to listen. It's about committing to being a part of the church. We need each other to encourage and to support each other to be like Christ. We need to find places to serve. To serve where we can use the gifts that we have. And in finding and and serving others, we find out who we are to be. And the last thing again is, if you're not reading the letters in red, if you're not reading the letters in red, you'll fall victim to every person in the world who uses religion to hate and build walls. You'll fall victim to all the other things going on in the world. The letters in red are the words of Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what his will for your life and for my life is, to read the letters in red. And then, you know, if you're looking at that placemat, it says, you are going to heaven soon. You can go, I didn't do it my way, but I did it God's way. I did it God's way.